0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Along for the ride until 5 o'clock. We are busy today. Of course, we'll keep you updated on the AFC Championship game. We'll have a preview with my good friend Jay Bromley. He'll join us in about 30 minutes or so. He'll take us through what you can expect from Baltimore and Kansas City, what you can expect from Detroit and San Francisco. A little later in the show, for my good friend Joe Leo, Brian Lewis of the New York Post, who does a tremendous job as a beat writer for the Brooklyn Nets. What will they do as the trade deadline approaches? Who's safe? Who isn't? We'll get his thoughts. But we begin. Julian Chantel at a day yesterday that was just... It it was as Jekyll and Hyde of a day for me as you could possibly have. Like a lot of Knicks fans, I am sitting... I'm enjoying the back and forth with the Knicks and, and Heat, right? Earlier, early in the game, the Knicks are sluggish, can't hit baskets. Well, one of seven, one of eight, not scoring. And Miami's running up and down the field. Miami's got the offensive boards. Miami's playing well. And then the Knicks, and it's a regular Knicks heat game, right? It's back and forth, back and forth, a game of runs. And then nobody scores for minutes. And then they'll go back and forth and back and forth. And then the Knicks go on a run. And I'm feeling good. I'm like, because remember, earlier in the week on ESPN New York tonight, Gordon Damer and I, I told Gordon, I would settle for a split before Denver-Miami. But the split, the win had to be Miami. Now, that's what you're thinking going in. You're not expecting. And you know that Denver came off a road trip and it was their last game. But you don't expect the world champions. You don't expect everybody to just be flat. For the Nuggets. That's not what you expect. But that's what happened. So the Knicks just blow away the Nuggets. I mean, they blew them away. Randall and Brunson didn't play in the fourth quarter. And you know Tom Thibodeau. They didn't play. This game was never in doubt, ever. So now it's Miami. So, of course, now as a Knicks fan, I'm greedy. I want the second win. I want the Miami win. That's what I want. I want that win. I Because it's personal, okay? It's, it's a rivalry. It's Knicks-Heat. It goes back to the 90s. It goes back to, you know, uh, all those games that they had, battle, the the brawl, the, all that stuff, all of it. Tim Hardaway's daddy, when Patrick Ewing walks away, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when the league leads to Patrick Ewing walking away from the bench. It's going to be very interesting. I hear that like it was yesterday. So I got something, there's something going there with the Heat. Uh, me and the Heat, uh, it, uh, in the words of the late Bernie Mac, there's some furniture moving when the Knicks and the heat, heat get together. And so the Knicks are blowing the heat out. It's great. I'm enjoying this. Team is 12-2 and two since O.G. Ananobi comes here. They look like a well-oiled machine. The bench played well again. And then Randall gets hurt. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And when he holds his arm and runs towards the locker room. And you heard the, you heard the, the, the audio from the, from reaction. You heard Tibbs here on 987 ESPN where the game was aired. You heard what he had to say afterwards. You heard what Jalen Brunson had to say. You heard what everybody had to say. Everybody had to say about this. You knew it was serious. You knew because while many of us agree That Julius Randle is not the perfect player. While many of us agree, he's got flaws. While many of us agree that we cringe when he dribbles and there's people, he dribbles a lot and there's people coming around him because you know what's going to happen. We cringe when he goes up in the air to pass and you not know, even he's not sure where it's going. Okay? But we always acknowledge his availability. We always acknowledge, you know, yep, 25 and 10. Okay, sometimes it's overrated, sometimes it isn't, sometimes it's necessary. But we all agree that he's always available. And he and Brunson are our big two. Okay. That's our that's our crew. And until there's somebody better or something better, or somebody comes up, or that tremendous superstar that the Knicks are prepared to have, or whenever that person comes then we'll make that adjustment. But for right now, flaws and all, he's our guy. And now you're looking at this, 12 and 2 cents OG, and they're playing well. Blow out Denver, dominate Miami, and you're going through a stretch now where you've got teams that you can beat. So you're like, you know what? We're already fourth. (laughs) Can I smell third? Can I smell third? And, And listen, nobody's talking about NBA championship this year. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about as they improve your idea and your expectations for the season change. So if I'm now looking at the possibility of having a home playoff game going down the road, that's what I'm looking at. I am enjoying the fact that I've got a Nick team that is competent, that is functional, that is entertaining, that has the identity. They're playing to the identity of what this team is. And the identity of this team is their defense. And that's what you love about them, okay? That's what you love. And yes, and they can score. So you're you're just sitting there as a Knicks fan. You're basking in this. You're just having fun. You're just enjoying it. You're like, they're beating the heat. They're beating teams. People are showing respect to a team that, I don't have to replay the history for Nick fans, but a joke for a couple of decades in the NBA. Bad moves, bad coaching decisions, and then trying to build continuity with players, but you can't because the coaching situation is not stable. And so, all that just flashed in my head while I'm watching Julius Randle run to the locker room. Because you know it's a you know it's a, it's a serious thing. Now, how serious? We haven't heard anything. We're waiting for the release. We're waiting for the results of the MRI. Our world's already mentioned that it's uh, you know dislocation, but it, it and it could have been worse. Okay, so now we're just waiting, and and the waiting is excruciating. It's can somebody tell us what's going on already? You know, we need to know what what is the deal with with the shoulder? Is he is he is he in? Is he out? How long is he going to be out? And and you know what? I'm not trying to speculate. I'm not trying to go in here and say, well, probably four to six weeks or six to eight weeks. I don't even want to think about that right now. All I'm trying to figure out is, A, how will they remain competitive and play well while he's out for however long he's out? Because now you're going to put even more pressure on your bench. Because I would think Josh Hart would move back into the starting rotation, I would think. And so now you lose him off the bench. Does that change what the Nick front office looks for now? During the trade deadline, do they have to not only look for some scoring, but another big to add some depth? Okay? And how does that change the chemistry? Because... I know this is not a championship team, right? I get that. I get there a couple of players away. Not major, but a couple of players away. But nevertheless, you like how they play together, right? You like how they uh, interact with each other. It seems as though they play for each other. It seems as though they, they enjoy each other, they have fun. And of course they do because they're winning. But even beyond that, they seem to just... You know, it seems to be good thing. I'm not I'm not embedded with the team as I've been so many years on various teams in this town. So I'm looking at it from the outside. I'm actually looking at it as a fan. And I'm looking but you know, having been in locker rooms and stuff, there's certain things you look for, there's certain interactions you get, there's certain things you say, hmm. Huh, what was that? Hmm, that didn't look huh, I wonder what's going on there with that player and this player. But you don't see I haven't seen that. So it looks like they're 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 working together, they're rolling. It looks like they're They, they enjoy each other's company like they have fun, like they hang out together, right? And while it's not a necessity for you to be successful, doggone it! From my experience, it helps. Doesn't hurt. (laughs) It helps. So all these things have been I've been wrestling with, trying to figure out what does the front office do now? What's the next move? What does Tom Thibodeau? How does Tom Thibodeau? Adjust his his rotation again, uh, and just remind it that no matter what the sport is, no matter what the league, no matter how important the game, injury is the one wild card you just cannot. It, it, you you can't you can't figure it out. It's the one thing you simply cannot depend on. You can't calculate it. You can't figure out what happens. You can't you can't do anything with it. And we have some great analysts that work for ESPN, TV, radio, all platforms. That injury thing, that's the one that just puts you, it puts you in no man's land. You just can't figure it out. And not only that, how will the team adjust and overcome it? How will they make the adjustment and still be able to be as successful and on point as they've been? That's what my 24 hours have been like, ladies and gentlemen. What's yours? one 919 Also on X formerly Twitter @HardestyESPN at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN 98 7FM. We'll come back. We'll take your calls next on 987 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Randall shake it up after hitting the floor. As he was fouled. Trainer heading to Julius Randle and he will head off down the tunnel to the Knicks locker room.
1: Kenny Albert with the call here on 98.7 ESPN yesterday and that's when my whole day, like a lot of Knicks fans, just went <laughs> blah. It's the drive on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, we'll talk some football. We'll do that at 245 when Jay Bromley joins us to preview Championship Sunday here on the drive. But let me just put Randall aside for a second and just talk about how well this Nick team has done. And one of the things that really in yesterday's game that I really was impressed by, because I respect, I don't like them, but I respect Miami and I respect their coach, Eric Spolstra. And defensively, they are outstanding as well. For the Knicks to only have seven turnovers in that game against the Miami defense that can be very, very good, I thought was just simply outstanding for me. That was a off the, none of the, not, not a major thing, but an important thing. Very quietly, Precious Achua is making a name for himself as one of the other sleepers in this OG and an OB deal. Since he has gotten more playing time. And once again, he's undersized for a center, but since he's gotten more playing time with Hartenstein out, I mean, once again, he was a plus 19 yesterday and had 10 rebounds, four points, but 10 rebounds and two block shots so he is and and three off the offensive glass so he is helping the team from a defensive standpoint and also giving them loose balls and getting loose balls and being aggressive on the boards and showing some defense so you know it's these are the these are the things that you look at uh, i thought yesterday mcbride 9 points in 10 minutes was a positive i mean a played 31 minutes yesterday Obviously, you know more time, more playing time with Randall, and more playing time because it really looked like, and Hartenstein, like he played 16 minutes. It's going to take him a while to get back into. He's compromised. He's not healthy, so the fact that the tour was able to come in and give you some minutes was important because it kept you from having to really put a lot of pressure on Hartenstein to have him play a lot of minutes because you could see he's not, he's not right, he's not ready yet. Looked a little sluggish. You can see that. So, and once again, look, <laughs> Jalen Brunson is phenomenal. He had 32 points in 38 minutes. Four of eight from three. Had eight assists. Five rebounds. Had his own block shot. And once again, the thing that I really enjoy about him, no turnovers. So, that's a you can't handle the ball as a point guard slash shooting guard because he's really both. Better than what he's done. You you can't run an offense better than he's run this Nick offense. And so, but it's the balance of him and Randall that has made this team a success. It's Randall and also listen, give Randall some credit of being able to, I think even more so this year than last year, although you could see it last year, his ability to defer and understand, listen, Brunson's got this thing thing going. I can depend on him. He'll find me. I'm still getting my shots. And he can go off and do what he's got to do. And and the team runs through Brunson. So I enjoy that. Uh, Once again, Ananobi, uh, which was weird, he – this is a, a weird thing. He only had one rebound yesterday. One. <laughs> one rebound. But once again, 19 points and and a couple of great defensive plays. Okay. Uh, but I I'm enjoying him becoming more aggressive offensively. Because I think that's important. And not just sitting out there waiting for the three. But also moving around, moving without the ball, getting the ball in the painted area. And if he doesn't have the shot, you know, dishing it back out uh, and resetting and keep moving. So I'm really enjoying, I think if there was one thing that jumps out at me, that other than defensively, how this team has improved. For me, it's the ball movement. And once again, it just seems like the, the, the painted area is more open than it's been previously. So you like the movement. You like the ball movement. The ball is not, there's some dribbling, of course, but the ball's being moved through the air faster because, you know, the ball moves faster through the air than dribbling it. It just does. That's a basic thing in basketball. So they're playing really well right now. I mean, they are 12 games over 500. And I think the other thing that I really enjoy about this team is, quite frankly, that they are 16 and five at home. All right, so that means you know, they got some work to do on the road at 13 and 12. but nevertheless, uh, that the road the home is supposed to be is supposed to be your building when they were good and they were consistently good. Okay, that's the garden was a place that you were you respected it. You wanted to come in and do well because of the history of the building and not just basketball, but all the different events that has taken place in the building. So you want to come in, you want to show because it's the garden, it's Broadway. But it was a place that when they were really good. You didn't come in there expecting that, oh, we're gonna roll in here the way it's been, you know, over the past couple of decades. Where people come in and say, Oh, it's the garden, let me let me show the Knicks what I can do. And now it's getting back to, okay, you can't just come in here and expect that we're just gonna roll the ball out for you and and you just come in here and beat our tail. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. We're gonna beat you, we're gonna play physical. This is this is Nick basketball, folks. That's what this is. That's what I've covered. That's what I've enjoyed. That was, it's not the same because the game has changed. But from a home dominant standpoint, that's what those successful 90s Knicks teams were. They were physical. They dove for loose balls. And they scored, but it was in that order, right? It was the defensive pressure that they put on you. And yeah, I I saw a highlight yesterday where they were talking about the fabulous deciding game where Allen Houston won the basket. Was that 78, 77 or something? The game was in the seventies. It was in the seventies and that was the final score because that Nick team played defense and they held you, and all they had to do was get a point or two better. And, that was, and that's how they won games. Now, clearly, as you can see, from we've got a 73-point score this year, we've got a 70, we've got a couple of 60s, we've got some 50s. I mean, obviously, scoring is way up in the NBA, way up. And fans enjoy it, clearly, because you want to see scoring. Everybody wants to see scoring. But for the purists, <laughs> like me, I like to see scoring, but give me some defense in there too. Mix it up. Give me some rebounding, give me some physical play. Give me give me real NBA. Give me what I look at as pre-playoff basketball. Because even though it was January 27th, there was a playoff atmosphere in that building yesterday. Obviously because of the opponents, obviously because of the rivalry, Obviously, because of the game last year, uh, the playoffs last year. And obviously, you know, just because the Knicks won doesn't erase the fact that Miami beat them in the playoffs. We're not talking about that. That's that doesn't mean anything. What it says to Miami is this is a little different team than you faced last year. And for me, that's all I was enjoying until Randall went down. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: We're waiting to hear what's going on with Julius Randle. Uh, you know, if it happens while we're on the air, you know we'll bring it to you. Send so to the phones. Dave's in the car. Dave, start us off on The Drive.
0: Hey, hey thanks for having me in. You know, I think this is a moment where all Knicks fans is – they're riding we're riding this big high for so long. The team chemistry looks fantastic. But you still have people calling and saying if we can just do something to get someone bigger and better than Randall. I disagree with that. I believe he's a combination of Mason and Oakley. He can score. He's gritty. He's tough. There are a lot of teams, including the Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, and a lot of other teams that can use a guy who brings his lunchbox to work every day, and he would actually be a linchpin in helping those guys go after uh, the title with a little bit more gusto. So I hope he's okay. I just want to put one more plug out there with respect to the Giants. And I've mm-hmm. been harping on this Waller thing. When I heard Joe Shane ask a question about would he take Waller again, looking at how the year went, he said, I wouldn't change anything about how I feel I would take him right away. I'm telling you in the context of how they gave Daniel Jones money and how Barkley Would have been left to twist in the wind. It was really Barkley saying, you know what, let me just take this money and play. I think that was a bad look for the Giants organization. I think there were a lot of guys in that locker room looking at a guy like Waller who had issues in his past. We're all human, but he's had issues with alcohol, drugs, and he's just recently made some rap song and he's been posting all this wild stuff on social media. And at some point in that locker room, People ought to be looking at him. The players got to be saying, you brought in this guy who really flew under the radar in New York, who's also injury prone, has a little bit a little bit of a head case, but you couldn't give the guy who's been loyal to you and digging in the trenches with you like Barkley a couple or more million. I'd like you to just kind of expound on that latter piece uh, I'm talking about with Wilder and the Giants, uh, and I appreciate your time. Thanks.
1: All right, Dave, thanks for checking in. Uh, two things. Uh, as far as Julius Randle is concerned, I wish he could handle the ball like the late Anthony Mason. Dave, if he could handle the ball like the late Anthony Mason, 90% of what people say about uh, Julius Randle, they wouldn't say. Because it's the turnovers that drive you nuts about him. We respect his game. We respect that he plays all the time. It's the turnovers. It's, as Clyde called it, the Randle handle. It's the thing that drives you nuts as a Nick fan. So if he could handle like the late Anthony Mason, we wouldn't say a peep. we'd be happy (laughs) with Julius Randle. Listen, there is no perfect player. None of us are perfect. None of us. We all have things in our past that we've had to deal with and overcome. So while I understand what you're saying about Waller, and yes, he is a guy that had been injury prone. There's no question about that. His availability has been a question. And when he's been healthy, he's been productive. And for Joe Shane, They were trying to take a quick road to turn this team around and build on the success they had last year. I agree with you about Saquon Barkley. I thought Saquon Barkley should have gotten more money, but let's not forget that Saquon Barkley turned down a three-year contract earlier that would have given. Now, the money may not have been right. I'm not saying that. Okay, the money may not have been right, but he did turn down. So in the Giants' mind, they offered a, a running back whom also has had availability issues, a multi-year deal, and he turned it down. So now let's see what happens. Will they change this year? Probably not because he missed time this year. He's either going to get the franchise tag or he's just going to walk away. But you and I agree for what he brings to the table as an outstanding person on and off the field. There's no question. There's no comparison. 1-800-919-3776 one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Kenny's
0: in Jersey. What's up, Kenny? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, I believe the timing of this injury is terrible because it seemed like Randall was just learning how to become effective without stopping the offense, you know, without just mm. completely stopping the offensive flow. He just seemed to be just learning how to, you know, be effective in, in their flow of the game. Yeah. So yeah. this is gonna kinda set them back a little bit. But I don't think it's going to derail them at all. I think they'll be fine in the end, you know, if, if his shoulder isn't like destroyed.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, I agree with you, Kenny, and thanks for the phone call. That's the, that's the big question, right? How much damage is there? When is he coming back? Four to six weeks? Six to eight weeks? I mean, you're talking, if you're talking two months without Julius Randle, it's going to, I look at this as where does this set them up as far as rankings in the conference? All right, Kenny, that's what I'm looking at. You're right about him, how he's played within the offense and so on and so forth. That's true. But I'm looking at, because now there's some games that you may face, and maybe not in the next couple of weeks because you seem to, the schedule is pretty favorable to you. But there's going to be some games in the opponents now that you're not going to have that matchup advantage against. And what it also does is teams now will focus solely on Jalen Brunson. And so how does Tibbs and his staff get more people involved to take the pressure off Brunson? That's the concern I have. Uh, Jan's in Yonkers. What's up, Jan? Hi, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jan. How are you? Not good. <laughs> and you know why? I do. Um,
2: losing Julius is, is a major blow to this team. 25 points, 10 rebounds a game, and his aggression has gotten even better. He's strong, you know, he's a good rebounder. Yes, he turns the ball over, but look at everything else that he does to this team. And where in the world are we going to get 25 points and 10 rebounds from another player on our team to help Jalen Blenson out? And as you said, you indicated and alluded to, we're going to face teams that know that we don't have them available. They're going to take advantage of that, and hopefully he can come back in time for the playoffs. Thank you for taking my call. Your thoughts.
1: All right, Jam. Thanks for calling. Um, Look, it's, it's, you're not going to get 25 and 10 from another player consistently, but you might get 13 and 5 from a couple of players or 14 and 3 from a couple of players, and that's what you have to do. You're not going to replace what Julius Randle does with one player. It's going to take more players to get that done, so Whoever moves into that starting spot for him offensively has to give you some points. But the question is, you know, defensively, um, you know, and rebounding, that's the other part where I'm a little concerned about there as well. Ready to hear from the coach down the St. Pete. It's Spike. He's next on the drive. What's up, Spike?
2: Oh, good afternoon. It's a bit of a mixed emotion here, bittersweet. Uh, first of all, you are perfect in my eyes, so I'll leave it at that. But uh, you are the perfect radio talk show host friend. So present company it's included. Uh, <laughs> Thank
1: you, Spike. <laughs> no,
2: you know how I feel about you. Everyone does. I've never spoken to anybody who calls or knows of you that ever said a bad word. It just never. It's just beautiful. But here we go. So I'm going through the same emotions you are. And uh, I said, uh, we talked about it uh, on Larry and Gordon, Monday to Thursday, 9 to midnight, shameless plug. And we said, you said you wanted Miami game more. Once we blew out the tired Denver Nuggets, the, the championship team, only Jokic showed up because I rewatched some of that game. Murray really, you know, she said, I ain't playing that. I, you know, and you understand that. It's a lot of games. But when he went down, I got a couple of texts, you know. Or Chris texts me, you know, my stepson, and he goes, "Well, that looks bad. It's probably a shoulder. And then you hear the naysayers, you know what's coming next, you know. Why did Tibbs have him in? You know, yeah. if, if people are Nick fans, would you just understand and accept the way he coaches? It's just what it is. We're not mm-hmm. changing that guy. And the players that played for him love love him. The bench was producing. Uh, they shot 51% from three. It was a terrible injury, and he's got a big ego. You know that. That's what, you knew it when he ran off the court like that, or hobbled yeah. off the court. Whatever yeah. it is, we have to make good with. We're going to be smaller. You saw what Tibbs did. He kept this rebounding machine in there, Achua. I looked up his stats before the trade. Well, when he was being traded, and I told you it was something like 16 minutes a game, 5.9 rebounds. Now, he has no hands, but Mm -hmm. you need the rebounds. You need the points. Between three guys, you make up two-thirds of the points, and you play at a little different pace, and you just move forward. I'm very happy with Randall sands the, the, the turnovers.
1: Yeah. But I mm-hmm. wish
2: the young man, well, he shows up, he plays, the timing was bad, but I'll make everybody feel a little bit better. He's coming back. You didn't want this to happen at the end of March.
1: You're right, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. It's That's the – if if he's got to be injured, the earlier the better. If he's got to be injured, you want it now rather than later. For those of you who want to continue to talk next, we will do so. But for a quick moment, we're going to step away and preview the AFC and NFC Championship Games. Jay Bromley, the former Giant, will do that with me next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Preview, for those of you online, online, we will get back to the Knicks and Randall's injury, we will do that. But let's step away and um, chat with my good friend Jay Bromley, former NFL defensive lineman, former member of the New York Football Giants. Jay, this is the time of year football players and fans just love. How are you, my friend?
3: Hey, I'm doing well, Larry, man. This is that time of year. We get down to that, that top four teams and it gets real thick and really exciting.
1: All right, Jay, I'm going to start with the late game first and get your thoughts about the Baltimore game right right before the game, and we'll do it that way. Look, uh, what Detroit's been able to do this year has been phenomenal. I mean, the 14-5, number three seed, uh, Dan Campbell has put his stamp on this team. Aaron Glenn has been outstanding defensively as a defensive coordinator for them. So I want you to handicap the weapons for me. Compare the Niners offense with the Lions offense. So you've got Brock Purdy as your quarterback. You got McCaffrey at the running back. Iyuk at wide receiver, Debo, Debo Samuel, who will play today at a wide receiver, uh, Jennings of the wide receiver and George Kittle at the tight end, and then of course for Detroit, you got a Super Bowl winner. You got Jared Goff at quarterback. You got your running backs of Montgomery and Gibbs, and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown at one of the uh, one of the wide receivers and their tight end Sam Laporta. So I I would give the edge uh, Jay to me to Frisco, but give me your thoughts about defensively how you look at these two offenses.
3: Well, I think you have to, you know, give you know the hats off to both offenses. You're looking at two offenses that are both top five in every pretty much major category when it comes to offenses. Um, the most surprising team would obviously be the the Lions, right, and what Dan Campbell has been able to do with them. And the 49ers, man, they're, they're stacked in so many different positions. And, and Brock Purdy just a emerging star, you know, making sure that he gets the ball to, to the people that can do all the great things that they do from a defensive perspective. You can only try to limit the blood, limit how much blood you lose each and every play. A bimba don't break. Uh, you know, the, the best teams, if you let them run from 10 yard line to 10 yard line, but hold them to three points, what Coach Spagnola would call four point plays, when you stop them on third down in the red zone, that will really make a difference. So it's going to come down to stopping and how many four point plays can each team come up with in the red zone and field goal areas so that they can, you know, hold off and make the score a lot tighter than what it could be.
1: Uh, defensively for these two teams, I, you know, obviously they both have really good defenses. Aiden Hutchinson's been outstanding for Detroit. And listen, what can you say about Nick Bosa? Rate these two linemen for me, Jay.
3: Two linemen are similar. I'm sure Hutchinson looked at Bosa, watched his film, looked at what he did at Ohio State, looked at what he did at the 49ers and, and imitate some of the things that he does. A longer version, I had the fortune of playing with Nick Bosa, so he's, he's a bit, little bit more stout and shorter. Uh, Hutchison a lot taller and ranger, but just the motors on these guys. I think both of them are formidable. And, you know, what it really comes down to as as the game wears on you as a pass rusher, is not just about if you get a sack. It's about the effect you have on the game throughout the course of the game. How do you make that quarterback's Clock go a little bit faster. How do you affect your other teammates by setting them one-on-one opportunities? How do you? How does the coordinator move you around from left side to right side, and potentially put you in the middle to put you on their worst guy on their offensive line? Right. So it's not about going best on best. You don't want Hutchinson going against Trent. You don't want him going against Trent Williams every play. Right. Mm-hmm. I know that might be a pride matchup, but it's not a matchup that wins you the most matchup. Uh, you want to find a weak link and exploit it.
1: Hmm. It's interesting. Jay Bromley's my guest. We're previewing Championship Sunday in the National Football League. We're talking about the Lions and 49ers right now. Jay, when you look at how Brock Purdy played last week, had some trouble in the rain, it's not been great. He's been kind of up and down this year. Uh is this a scenario that he's happy he's home? Does home does him being at home make a difference? Because last week he was at home and he wasn't that great. Is it is it the opponent? Uh, what 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 do you think we'll see from Brock Purdy today, today against a Detroit Lions defense that's gonna be really physical against their offensive line? I think he just
3: has to, you know, show up and, and be true to himself. I've seen uh interviews and different things of that nature where he says he tries not to pay attention to the noise. Uh he doesn't look at tries to look at the compare himself to the Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson's, right? He wants to stay in his own wheelhouse. And I think when he does that, he's at his best. Don't try to be anybody other than Brock Purdy. You know you're your weapons you have on the outside. You know that there's going to be times in the game you have to use your legs and you have to use your athletic ability to extend the play. But for the most part, man, you have a great supporting cast. Don't go outside yourself. Don't make the game more difficult than it has to be. Use your mind to put the ball in the right places. Don't try to use, you know, try to play hero ball. Give it to the heroes that are receiving end of those balls.
1: Jay, we saw last week uh... – the Niners had some issues. Uh, they were not able to move the ball and there was some open folks in the secondary, in the middle of the field of, in the middle of that zone. What are some of the adjustments you think that the Niners defensively will do against Detroit who really love their tight end? I, I, we talk, we'll talk about George Kittle in the moment, but Laporta's really been big for them offensively.
3: Agreed. I think the good thing about the 49ers, they have a, some of the best linebackers in football. you talk talking about Greenlaw and what he did last week, right, sealing the game for them. you talk talking about Fred Warner. This is all pro middle linebacker that can guard anybody. You have some really great opportunities and matchups that you, you, you feel comfortable with. Obviously, you're not going to be man-to-man all the time. You're going to mix up the coverages. You're going to – Brock Purdy's still young, right, so you're going to make sure you confuse him as much as possible. But overall, I think they probably feel pretty confident in the linebackers that they have – regardless of the success, you know, of the tight
1: end. Uh-huh. Uh, last thing before we move on to the main event for me, <laughs> Baltimore and Kansas City at the top of the hour, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, these two guys, especially Debo Samuel. I mean, Jay, he's like a wide receiver running back. I mean, he's so hard to bring down. What? What are the challenges Detroit has in trying to contain those two guys?
3: If Vivo's healthy, um, if Debo's healthy, he comes in there and he's, he's not, you know, nursing something, uh, he's running at his capabilities, then he, he's a the problem. He changes the way that, you know, they're able to call plays, put them in the backfield, put them in the slot, put them out wide, right? It just, it makes it hard for you to do anything and really try to contain them. And once you try to do that, you open it for IU. Obviously, George Kittle is, is destroying things down the middle, and he's a matchup nightmare. So I think with that versatility, there's no way to really kind of just bottle that up. It's really about just fundamentals of defense. You have to tackle well. You have to, you know, not get lost with your eyes, which Shanahan is great at. He wants to make you lose, the, lose with your eyes so that your body's in the wrong position. So that's just something good to watch throughout the course of the game.
1: Jay Bromley's my guest. All right, Jay, let's talk about it. Kansas City and Baltimore. First of all, from a defender, the challenges, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Talk to me
3: defender man it's it's in the one of them things uh you you can't get caught up in you know you know exactly who you're going against you're going against the magic man himself patrick mahomes houdini whatever name you want to give him (laughs) he's that guy you know wielding and and willing his team he has the confidence the swagger the arm strength and obviously when travis kelsey starts to come on like he did last week it's it's a matchup nightmare um And he's way more athletic than most people give him credit for. Uh, Obviously, we know what's coming to the table with Lamar Jackson. Uh, This guy has, you know, done things that no one has ever done as far as passing the ball and rushing yards in this league to this point and potentially an MVP uh, this year. You know, most people might say, and we'll find that out soon. So I think it really just comes down to believing what you see on tape. It comes down to fundamentals. Don't miss tackles and and don't blow assignments on defensively.
1: Jay, I'm very curious. This Baltimore Ravens team is physical. They're physical on both sides of the ball. They're very physical defensively. Uh, This has been a Kansas City team that their receivers have dropped passes during the year. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco has driven, put life into this team over the past couple weeks. Uh, Physically, what is Kansas City about to deal with against this very physical Baltimore Ravens defense?
3: I, I think they're dealing with, you know, uh, today's version of what we saw. We were looking at Ray Lewis and Ed Reed back there, all those phenomenal players. It, it, it's just, it's just, it's almost like a spirit when it comes to Baltimore. You kind of expect the defense to be good. It's kind of what you expect year in and year out. And this year, they just have all the numbers to prove it. Number one in, in total defense, sacks and takeaways. So they're they're around the ball, and when they're around the ball, good things are happening. They're finishing those plays. Obviously the additions of people like Davion Clown, you got number one overall picks that can come, you know, resurge their career, right? And add so much value to that team. And, you know, and ultimately, I learned a long time ago. If you don't affect, I don't care what you do, if you don't affect that quarterback, if you don't get him off the spot, if you don't hit him and make him think twice, you will have a long day with these guys that you can't show them a new defense. There's nothing Patrick Holmes hasn't seen. He knows where to go. You have to change his clock
1: you were a player under Steve Spagnolo who's been tremendous in what he's done with this Kansas City defense. Uh you were Chris Jones in on the, the defensive tackle on that defensive line. What is he looking to do against Lamar Jackson in the game today?
3: He's looking to be disruptive. I think if anything he can't get he can't overthink um because with a guy like Lamar Jackson that his elusiveness, right? And I know Spagnola's been coaching this all week. Uh, when you get in the red zone, cage rush, what that means is so many times defensive ends going to run up the field, run around the edge, and even D tackles right? You're a little gun happy, you want to sit there and chop, club, rip, hit the edge. But you can't do that in the red zone, right? Especially with Lamar Jackson. Regular quarterbacks that eat you up in the red zone, especially when the, the back end is playing man coverage. So you have to cage rush. You have to keep him in front of you. You have to work together as a unit. So in his best... Leadership ability, I would see Chris Jones really helping remind the guys, especially in down-and-distance situations, let's keep our eyes on this quarterback. Nose tackle, push the middle and keep eyes on the quarterback. Don't worry about hitting too many moves. We need you to cage this guy. If Chris Jones don't get the green light to take the outside move, then the defense has to come under that. So it's all about communication and, and seeing it and working together. That's how you contain an athletic quarterback.
1: Sounds like a lot of fun. Real quick, Jay, what has been the biggest difference you've seen in Lamar Jackson this season as opposed to previous seasons as a defender?
3: I would say poise. I would say poise. He's doing what he's always done as far as his ability to run the ball, right? I think for him being more patient. uh, Obviously, all the criticism was always about his inability to throw the ball outside the numbers, his inability to get it to anybody besides Andrews. Right. So these things came up. And when Andrews goes down and you have these plethora of wide receivers, the Odell Beckham Jr., the Aguilors, right? All these different receivers that you're getting the ball to, you're showing the consistency, right? And then it just opens up the door. Because if you're, if, you're if you're not scared of his arm, you, you, you know the box you play man coverage, you dare him to throw it, right? But then once you get scared of his arm, you realize he can put it anywhere. Now he's just even more dynamic. There's nothing you can predict. And you really just have to hold fast to your principles as a defense of keeping guys in front of you, building the wall, and and knowing that he's going to outrun you. De- he's going to outrun everybody on your defense. So it's really about game tackling, camera club, and just hitting him enough to help help him think about running it next time.
1: Jay, it should be fun. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Larry. All right, that's Jay Bromley. Uh, when we return, we'll take your phone calls. I have to go now because Chantel's about to hit me with a brick because I didn't break. Drive continues next on 98.7 ESPN.